you're listening to Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast, presented by Brandon Elliott. This show will be going over all aspects of real estate investing and is intended to educate, motivate, and prepare you to take action on your first or next real estate investment. For more information, please visit BrandonElliottInvestments.com. Thank you for listening and enjoy. Welcome back, everyone, to Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast. I am your host, Mr. Brandon Elliott. I'm excited today. We have a special guest from the East Coast, my neck mm-hmm. of the woods, the brother state almost that's right above from New Jersey. <laughs> where I'm from. So uh, from New York. What's up, Eddie? How you doing, brother? What's going on, brother? Pleasure to be here. Thank you for the honor. Man, it's good to be here live with you. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I appreciate you for jumping on. You know, you got a really powerful story and not enough people get to hear these type of stories on a regular basis. So you were born in Costa Rica. Your family decided to move. I think you're one of five, right? Five children. That's right. I'm the youngest of five. Yeah, the youngest of five. And then you guys moved when you were about, what, nine? Nine Nine-ish? Eight years old. Okay. To uh, the Bronx of all places. It's not not the easiest place (laughs) right? Right, right, right. And now you're rocking and rolling into real estate. You're a big, you know, servant leader within your church, which is awesome and making an impact there as well. At this point, you've flipped over a dozen properties. You got 31 doors or properties under your belt as well. Not just in New York, but out of state as well in Indiana, which is awesome. So you got a lot of things rocking and rolling, man. That's right. You got to keep busy. You yeah. got to keep busy. You and you know? got a beautiful family as well, which is awesome. Thank For anybody you. out there that doesn't know a little bit more of your story, you know, I, I know I just touched on it for a second, but anybody out there that doesn't know a little bit more about you, mind just diving into who you are, where you're from and and what you got going on? Oh, absolutely. Once again, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for the honor. I'm excited to be here. And, you know, my name is Eddie. The real name is Eduardo. If you pronounce it in Spanish, Eduardo. And uh, I was born in Costa Rica. I think it's the most beautiful country in the world. I'm sorry if I'm biased, but it's such a beautiful country. It's great for tourism and, and, uh, not necessarily where I came from, you know, the pictures you see on social media and the magazines, it's not necessarily where I came from. You know, I came from a poor family. And even within my family, I think that within my immediate family, we were the ones that were well off, so to speak, in Costa Rican uh, economy. And but it was still a struggle. You know, we, we grew up, there was five of us at the home. We were five kids. I'm the youngest of five. And I remember being in a family atmosphere and everything we did was family. However, it got to a point, you know, in 1993, where it got a little bit tough. You know, economy wasn't where we needed. And, and my mom, who is my hero, you know, she is the go-getter. She's the one that I give props and credit for raising me the way I am. Uh, she decided to take a leap of faith, you know, leave her dental assistant professional job, leave everything that we had behind and move to New York in search of a better life, a better atmosphere. She knew that her kids, us five, were to stay where we were. We were eventually going to end up in the wrong track, not prophesying anything, but, you know, definitely poor drugs in jail, which is where I unfortunately learned that some of my family were. And out of all places, like you said, Brandon, we came to the Bronx. You know, my uncle from her father's side had a building in the Bronx and he was able to give us a home. And I remember the little that I remember that it was a different experience. You know, we, I say this a lot, most of our furniture 
came from the garbage. You know, it was it was a family <laughs> ordeal that, you know, on the weekends or whenever the buildings around us or the neighborhood around us will put out the garbage, we will go with three shopping carts as a family collecting cans and hoping to make ends meet. And I remember my first bunk bed, well, you know, we picked it up from the garbage. We saw it one day and we called two of our oldest brothers like, yo, we need help. We, there's a lot of, of pieces that we got to bring and mattresses and it, we were a, a happy family bringing our first bunk bed to our two-bedroom apartment. You know, we lived in a um, two-bedroom, but there was nine of us, and we had to figure it out. You know, one room was for my brother and his wife and newborn son. The other room was for my mom, my father, myself, my brother, and my sister. And then we threw our second oldest brother somewhere in the living room. And those were the humble beginnings that I can remember, you know? Those were the moments that I can say, I know what it's like to be poor and I choose not to go there ever again. Not yeah. for any any pride or boasting or bragging. It's just so much easier to be able to give back when you actually have something to give. So yeah. that that's where I, you know, that's where I've been for the past couple of years as I dwelled into real estate investing. But that those those were the beginnings. Yeah, I love it, man. It's such a powerful story and not enough people get to hear this or, and it's just so crucial for people to actually get a fresh reminder of, you know, I feel like a lot of us dwell in some of the negative things sometimes and our yeah. situations instead of celebrating the wins. Uh, and then once, once they hear your situation and just the times that you went through and you're excited to get, you know, the new bunk bed that you're, you're finding outside. It's awesome to know where you come from to where you're at today. So, Absolutely. Um, so for real estate, where did real estate actually like spark your interest? How did that come about? So I like to consider myself a giver. You know, I'm always happy, especially in my church community, my family, my friends. I w- I've been always been a giver. I, I remember my dad had a small restaurant in Costa Rica. And, you know, every now and then I'll get a little bit of tips in in colones, which is the currency for Costa Rica. And one of the first things that I would do is I would go and buy my mom something, whatever, whether it is an ornament or a keychain, or I would craft it myself. And that translated into New York, where, you know, at the age of 11, I started working in a pizza shop in the Bronx, you know, 234th and Broadway. And I remember I would work for $2 an hour every Saturday, 12 to 10 p.m. It was a couple of blocks from my house. And I remember that every Sunday I would give my mom the $20 right after church service because, I mean, I thought that the $20 would cover all of Sunday dinner for nine people. They never told me it didn't. You know, they kept me, they kept that secret hidden from me. But as I grew older, I continued to give. And I realized one day, how can I give more, right? How can I be able to give more and I remember at that time when this dream came about, I was still an undocumented citizen or alien. They called us aliens. I was still an undocumented alien in the United States. So I was very limited with what I was able to do. My first ever real estate job was as a property manager. You know, we managed 21 buildings in New York, Queens, Bronx, Manhattan, and I never really knew what property management was. I just was so desperate for a job. This was around 2008. Well, I was so desperate for a job that I just took whatever came, you know, before that I always had a job. I always had up to three jobs at any given time, but I couldn't wait to get out of high school and just continue to work because I was never really a scholar. I didn't like sitting in school and listening to professors. And I was born and, and school to me was easy. 
Like I never studied, barely ever did homework because I would just do everything in class and I was always find my way around to create a better response or a better grade in school. So when I finally got out, I started looking for jobs. And in 2008, I found a property management job where I was in charge of handling the violations. Then people started leaving the office and then I was in charge of filling vacancies. So my manager said, you know, charge a $200, $250 application fee. And, you know, we, we, we split it. You give me 50, you keep 200. I was like, okay, you know, other than my, than my salary, that was an extra bonus. So I was filling vacancies. Then I started figuring out that you needed a real estate license to do that. <laughs> my manager never told me that, but it got to a point where, you know, we had 21 buildings. There was always vacancies. And as I interacted with other agents, I knew that they were charging a full month's worth of rent as a commission. I mean, my light bulb went out, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm from the Bronx. Like, wait, you mean to tell money. me that yeah. if I were to rent this one bedroom for 1800, I could get 1800 commission. It's like, yeah. So I gave it a shot one time, two times, three times. And I remember the ratio that my manager told me for every 250, you get 200, you give me 50. So that's how I did it for every 250 that I got. And that was my first interaction. I was like, all right, I like real estate because money comes in. I'm able to give back more. And at the time, I, I was still uh, I was still a little mischievous. You know, I was always drinking and partying with my friends. I lived by myself. So even at that point, I was giving my underage friends. Hopefully, I don't get in trouble for this. But I would, you know, buy them alcohol and, and partying and all that stuff. Then I tried taking my real estate license. And I realized without a social security number, I couldn't do it. So it kind of bursted my bubble, my dream, but it always stayed in the back burner, right? And then many, many, many years after I came to find out about real estate investing. And I always had that in mind because it was a TV show. I was like, well, I have my brother who's been in construction all his life. I have my brother-in-law who's an architect. I have my family that I can teach how to become private lenders, which they are. Why can't I jump into this? And then I, I bought into a program and five years ago in 2015, 2016, I quit my job and I went, you know, head on into real estate investing. You know, I've been able to provide for my family. I mean, my mom is a private money lender. I, I turned her into a private lender. I turned my sister into my babysitter. I turned my brother-in-law into my architect. My brother, my oldest, uh, um, I say that with a lot of the good pride that I'm able to hire my oldest brother yeah. into my family. And he's had a steady job with me for the past three years. And I've been able to give back, even members of my church, painters, electricians, you name them. I've been able to give back into those, especially in a time like 2020, where jobs were so scarce that we couldn't find. And it's been a blessing of a road, to say the least. I love it, man. I think that's so crucial to look around your surroundings, like look in your circle to see who can be a good fit. And obviously yeah. you have you have natural born leadership within you. And I think we all do, but you know, some of us can turn that key a lot sooner than others or acknowledge it. Obviously right. something or someone spoke that into you and, and you were able to see the leadership to be able to, you know, orchestrate what you have so far, which is awesome to be able yeah. to, you know, support your whole family, give everybody jobs, your church as well. I mean, I know it's a good feeling when I'm paying out all my contractors and all the all the different people that, you know, it's not a one man show, right? It, it takes a village to make these projects actually. Absolutely. Um, uh, to fruition. Absolutely. 
what kind of niches are you focusing on? I know we spoke about some rentals and uh, flips. Is, is that what you mostly focus on right now? That is, that's been the bread and butter of the company. When I started real estate investing, I don't come from a rich family. So for me to, to do two to three flips a year sure. was more than sufficient to replace my old salary. Yeah. And that's all I did. You know, for five years, only 12 properties. Well, that's the reason why, you know, we, we get into real estate for me, for a lifestyle by design. And my design of my lifestyle was enough to stay at home and raise my kids. You know, I have a beautiful wife at home. I have a five-year-old and a 14-month-old. And what I want to do with my time is spend it with them. And that's what real estate has allowed me to do. So up until that point, you know, for the first four years to the company, it was you know, two, three flips will get us through the year. And then some, you know, it allowed us to travel and, and vacation, which is something that I was so adamant about after I finally became a U.S. citizen, you know, traveling South America, North or Central America, the Caribbean, and the flips allowed us to do that. Yeah. But then you know, as an entrepreneur, as an investor, you're always changing and upgrading your mindset. You know, I learned this from one of my mentors. We're so focused, right, especially with the new technology of upgrading the new iPhone, the new Samsung Galaxy, the new iPad, the new tab, whatever it is, we're always upgrading all of our technology, our vehicles, our homes, but we lack in upgrading ourselves, right? And upgrading our mindset, our mentality, how we focus. And thankfully, I have coaches and mentors that guide me through that process where I needed to start evolving from just flips to rentals, right? So I got into it all of 2019. I was just focused on learning the rentals and, and how to evaluate them, which is different than evaluating a flip, you know, and, and what's your cash and cash return? What's the rent roll? All that stuff, property management, and in late 2019, I partnered up with a friend of mine from Indiana, and we just started buying, you know, rentals left and right. You know, last quarter of 2019 into the first quarter of 2020, we bought every rental that we have right now. You know, there was more, but we sold all of the bad apples. You know, we had about 40 something. We sold the bad apples, kept the good ones. And that's been our focus to be able to generate not just passive income, but generational wealth, right? What's coming for our children? What's coming for their children? And the true way to think about it is three generations ahead of you. If yeah. my children's grandchildren are covered, then I did my job. Did and a good that, job, that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that's been my focus. Make sure that what we buy, by the way, using very little of our money is essentially the goal to be able to make sure they don't struggle. I want them to struggle, but yeah. their own struggles, not the ones that I went through. Sure. Because then I'll be repeating the mistake. But flips and rentals is the current MO. Eventually, we want to build an equity firm where we could just have our cash bring cash and we can enjoy even more of our time with whatever we want to do, you know? Nice. More of like a hedge fund that you're raising money and then putting yeah. it to work. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Love it, man. So let's talk about your first deal for a second. What did that look like? <laughs> what a mess. <laughs> yeah, what a mess, right? I remember mine. <laughs> Lord, you know, when I started investing in, a lot of the big picture was overcoming my mind, myself. Yeah. Overcoming always. my fear of the unknown, the fear of what's next, what's going to happen next. And, and that's usually a very common fear because if we knew that behind that flip, you know, there was $50,000, $100,000, $200,000, we would race. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. We would yeah. race to the end line. 
it's all new, you know, it's brand new yes. territory. We've never done it before. You never experienced. So you don't know if you right. make mistakes and it turns into a negative 50, right? Exactly. And even at that point, I was afraid of mistakes. Now I embrace them. I'm like, yeah, bring them along. Like yeah. that's a new lesson for me. But at that point, I was still fresh. And I remember I went, it was like a Saturday. I got on Zillow. I had no marketing going on. I didn't even know how to market well. Um, I got on Zillow and I was, I remember that I was always afraid to click contact agent. I was afraid of that button. I couldn't press it to save my life, but but put on my big boy pants and I was like, send, you know, contact agent to like 10 properties. And now I'm I'm sitting there from my computer, like, like I'm high on something. I'm like this, like what's next. Right. And I remember that an agent replied and I was like, oh crap. Right. Like I was afraid out of my mind. I was like, I started, that's when I started my mindset shift. Like, what's the worst that could happen? Now, let me talk to this agent. Let me walk this property. It was in a town called Baldwin here in, in Long Island, New York. And I went to see the property. It was listed for 300000 And I'm walking the property. It was a 1940-something. It was built prior to when the township was created. And I was like, oh, man, this is, this is going to be a lot of work. It's like 100000 in repairs. And never have I repaired anything for that much money. Never have I seen that much money. So I was like, all right, I'm, I'm going to stick to my studies. I'm going to stick to my knowledge, what I've been investing myself in. So I'm going to stick to the numbers and I'm going to submit. The agents will call a lowball offer. I call it an educated offer. And I, and I was like, you know what? My number is 225. I know it's 75,000 under asking. I'm sending that offer and let's see what happens. They accepted from 300,000 to 225 off the MLS. I was like, no way, you're kidding. No, no, they accept the offer. I was like, okay, great. I have an inspection contingency. Thank God. Let me get some professionals in there. So the, you know, the boiler had like, it was full of asbestos. There was asbestos all over the basement. I was like, all right, I need to reduce my offer to 215. And I am in my mind, I was like, they're not taking it. They already went down 75,000 to another 10,000 under asking. It's going to be more of an insult, but they accepted it. I was like, all right, I guess now I find money. You know, what, what do I do next? <laughs> what do I do? <laughs> yeah. It's like, I didn't even have to, I told them we would put down like, like 5,000, but they wanted like 25,000 earnest money. It's like, I don't got, I only got like 5,000 in the bank. It's like my agent went to work. She negotiated. We got it on the contract. This was about, four months after I joined my real estate education program. And I remember that on January, 2016, I was like, I got my property on the contract. We're due to close any minute. This is going to profit me, I think $55,000. That's going to cover about 70% of my yearly salary. I can quit my job. And I did. I did. Yeah. I, I, as soon as I got on the contract, like two days later, I sat in my, my boss's office and I told him, Stephen, here's what's happening. And quick, you know, rabbit trail. At that point in my job, I had reached the most I could grow at that point. You know, yeah. I couldn't go above and beyond. It's like, and I'm now I'm getting bored at my yeah. old job. So I was like, all right, I'm getting bored. Here's an opportunity for growth. I'm going to take the leap of faith. And I've always been that way. I've never been like a, a, a lukewarm kind of person. I'm either cold or hot. Yeah. And if I have a foot in or a foot out, I'm never going to be able to perform to the best of my ability. If I chase two rabbits at the same time, I'm never catching one of them. And I started telling myself, Eddie, if you do this, you know, it doesn't only affect me, my wife, my newborn, the future. 
I believed in myself and thank God I have a supporting wife. It's like, listen, that's what you feel like doing. Go for it. All right. I was like, all right, I'm going to do it. And my old job treated me so well that I was an account manager in sales. So yeah. I knew that I, two weeks wasn't going to be enough to replace me. So I gave him three months. I told him, I'll work another three months. I'll train whoever you bring, make sure that all of my accounts know who you know the next person is. And then once you feel like he's ready, you know, then, then I'm gone. <clears throat> so I told him April 1st, I'm leaving. I'm thinking by that time, the flip should be done or close to done. And, and you know, we can have a, a little cushion to be able to seek. April 1st came, I quit my job and I still hadn't closed on the deal. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> still, apparently, there was like four heirs to the property. I was able to, more title and my attorneys were able to find three of them. The fourth one was somewhere in South America, in Bolivia, about 12 hours away from the nearest U.S. embassy. So document signing was a little bit complicated for that person. So it wasn't on uh, your end. It was more no, on, the on the sellers. And yeah. were you able to raise the funds to be able to get prepared yes. for the project? Yeah. So I found a hard money lender. We closed on April 15th, two weeks after I quit my job. Find a hard money lender. I think I skipped some classes because they didn't tell me that they will only do about 90% of the purchase. And then I got, you know, I got bombarded with 14 and four of my first deal, four points, 14% interest. Oh, uh, and I was like, all right, so now I'm buying a 215 acid. I got to put 10% difference. I got to put the closing costs. I got to put the two points. I got to put whatever fees. I think it was like 80,000 or 90,000 that I had to come to the table with. That's when I got creative. And, you know, when you're in trouble, who's the first person you call? Your mother. Mom. You know, I was like, <laughs> yeah. mom, here's what's happening. My yeah. credit is shot. I need 80,000. What can we do? And man, God bless her heart. She was supportive. She's like, you tell me what I got to do and we'll do it. So wow. I was able to secure money with her credit cards. Okay. And I was able to get, you know, zero percent. And I know you're big on this, man. Mm -hmm. And a zero percent interest for 18 months. She got a 10,000 car, 5,000 card. And I had some money saved. So I was able to put between my mom, myself and my wife. You know, I probably shot all of the credit down. <laughs> we was able to find the gap funding. And now here comes the fun part. You know, the renovation. And we're That's, looking now, in there. At this point, we're all in. Like, we're all in. We're going for it. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. It's like no more cushion, right? All yeah. the fun, the funds are invested. Well, at least all of ours. Thank God for our, our hard money lender. And we we go to have fun. And you know, we, we as we're taught, we open permits. And then as I go to open permits in the town of Hempstead, if you're a New Yorker, Long Islander, it's one of the worst, most difficult towns in all of Long Island. And I come to find out that the property had no CO. I was like, okay. That's going to be a problem. I called my attorney. He's like, what happens? He's like, oh, I thought you knew. I was like, no, I didn't know. I don't know what a CO is. Yeah. <laughs> so I had to now file, not just for my building permit, I had to file for a non-conforming permit, which completely new to me. Get architectural drawings, get a plumbing inspection, electrical inspection, but I couldn't get that done because the work wasn't done. Would turn into what was supposed to be a six-month flip turn into a 12-month flip. Our ARV, our after repair value, when we purchased it, was it about a 400,000? You know, we buy for 215, 400,000 ARV. Those, those are good numbers. By the time the 12th month happened where, you know, we're waiting six to eight weeks for approval of permits, inspections, rejections, conditions, yeah. you name it. After firing two contractors, after 
interviewing about four plumbers and a couple of electricians. And I'm like, you know what? This is not going to cut it. So that's when I brought my brother in. Now, for for if you're not a Long Islander, my brother lived at that point in East Hampton, which is two hours and a half from Baldwin. And I'm like, there's no way he's going to make that trip. But God bless his heart. He's like, you need me? I'm there. All right. So he was making that trip two hours and a half, two hours and a half, just to help me out and get me out of my funk. I would have lost money if it wasn't for the market doing a nice little shift. We were able to sell it for 432 as opposed to 400. We sold it to a veteran. You know, he got a great home and it was definitely a learning experience. You know, there's a little bit of of a funny part to this. You know, I mentioned waiting six to eight weeks for permits and all that stuff. I remember when we were going to get our final for our CO, the inspector said, you know, do you have a permit for the fence? I was like, no, I didn't think I needed one. It's like, just open it. You don't even have to close it and you'll get your CO. I was like, okay. I went to the town and uh, that last visit to the town of Hempstead, I see a new cubicle right behind the lady where I used to always speak to. Um, she was charmed by my beard. So she was always like, she knew who Eddie was and always wanted to touch it. I'm like, if it's going to get my file to the top, you can touch whatever <laughs> you go. want, you know? Here's, here, here it is. Let's you know, go. <laughs> and she did. She happen. expedited a lot of my files. Wow. But I get there and I asked her, what's that cubicle? She goes, well, you can now have your permit seen in three days for 300 bucks. I'm like, you mean it tell me that for the past 11 months, I've been waiting <laughs> six to eight weeks and now you're telling me that for 300 bucks, I could get my permit seen in three days? Like, yeah. yeah. I was like, I hate you guys so yeah, much. Yeah, come on now. <laughs> but I mean, I learned so much how to negotiate, how to, you know, speak to the town, become friends with the building department. Oh, man, those are like my best friends now. So uh, quick important. tip, if you ever have an inspection in my projects, for some reason, every time the inspectors show up, we have coffee and donuts. I don't know. They just happen to show. I don't know, but you know, and, and make them your friends and you'll get so much farther, so much quicker than if you curse them out like a true New Yorker would do. But yeah, that first property, man, Jesus Christ. What a, what a property. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. (laughs) So on that particular property, it took longer than expected and a lot of learning curves, but you guys yeah. still ended up turning a profit on that one? Yeah, we made about 20, 24 okay. you know, from the 50, which is not bad. Well, we, yeah. we estimated about 55, um, but you know, the holding time, the there was um, illegal bathrooms that we had to fix and move yeah. and change the plumbing. And so, so there was an extra expenses on the repairs. But thankfully, with the market shift, we were able to pocket about 22, 24, if I remember correctly, on that first deal. Love it. And then since then, have you got better rates with uh, hard money lenders and so forth? So eventually, yeah, I think the next one was like 10 and 3. Okay. And I think I got to a point where I was like at 8 and 2 or 8 and 1 and a half. Now we just use private money. I think I'm done with hard money lenders. It's like... They're, they they always tell you the upfront fees, but they don't tell you the fees at closing. So I was like, what do you mean 2,500 attorney review? Like, what is that? You know? yeah. So yeah, at, we got better rates. And now, I mean, there's so much action that you could get a hard money lender at eight and two, even in your first deal, right? And, and there's just so much competition for those guys. Um, but yeah, definitely better rates, but I still prefer my private lenders. 
Yeah. And private money lenders, I prefer dealing with as well, just because it feels better knowing that you're helping out, you know, a mom and pop or a neighbor or somebody that uh, create a true win-win situation. I've actually inspired one of my neighbors. He started off as a private money lender with us. And then Mm -hmm. after a few deals, he was like, Hey, I want to partner up and actually jump into a deal with you. So I ended up giving him an opportunity afterwards. He ended up getting several properties on his own in the same area. Yeah. So it's just starting to change the mindsets and giving people the confidence to be able to get out there on their own which is one of our goals. If we can show you another way that you can get to your retirement faster or get to your happy place, then why not? You know, I, I've been able to turn uh, easily well over eight people and show them what becoming a private lender is. Even if they have 20,000 or 100,000 or 500,000, you know, if, if I'm able to show somebody how they can perhaps live better or make better decisions where they're hard in money, because a lot of these these individuals that I've worked with, I've realized this is their lifetime savings. So I can understand why they're so attached to it. I mean, I, it's completely warranted, but yeah. if we can show them a difficult vehicle where they can just literally collect the check out of their mailbox every single month, you know, while having their property secured, insured and protected with legal documentation, why not? You know, I'm a big believer that if I know how to do the right thing, it's not only my responsibility to do it. It's more like a duty, right? Yeah, it's it's like a mandate, yeah. right? An obligation to do it. And listen, we've been able to turn several people into investors, private lenders, yep. and just teach them a different way of life. And I'm, I'm glad to be able to, to do that through real estate investing. Yeah, that's one of the reasons why we actually started this podcast several years ago is just for the simple fact that a lot of people out there acknowledge real estate is an awesome, you know, platform to be able to get that financial freedom, right? And they just don't know how to get started in some cases. So it's a huge blessing that you were able to get that education. Um, But there's other resources out there as well that people can dive into. Like I got started, I wasn't educated on all the different platforms or education out there, right? I was just jumping on all the YouTube podcasts like this. And then, uh, you know, books I could get my hands on real estate related. And eventually I got enough confidence to get out there and start making those offers, you know, clicking the button to get people to call me back. That's right. Yeah. So it's it's really funny to just think about, but, you know, long story short here is it doesn't take much to be able to, you know, a few properties and a majority of people could get enough cash flow to really just, you know, an extra couple thousand dollars, 5,000 bucks could be life-changing for so many. Absolutely. 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 And when, you, when you're able to show somebody, listen, you got $50,000. That may not get you very far here in New York or California, but branch out to a different you know, market where one, the laws favor you as a landlord, as a homeowner. You know, I've seen, no lie, I've, I know of friends who have bought houses swiping their credit card because there's like $5,000, dollars 6000 $8,000. In New York, I'm like, oh, that's property taxes. No, that's the purchase of the house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Incredible, right? So it's all a matter of, like you said, education. You know, there's so many resources. I'm a big believer in reading. So, you know, books, YouTube, mentors and coaches. You know, I used to not believe in, in mentors and coaches until I needed them. It is the same when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. And thank God there was teachers and mentors that started appearing and, and guiding me the right way, you know, and that is one of the, I guess, 
the most beneficial resource that I've been able to find where I can pick up the phone, call, you know, this guy or that guy, whatever mentors I have, but the resources are out there. Absolutely. They're out there. That's so good. That's so good. Let's talk about yeah. leads for a second. How are you picking up your leads? I know that yeah, first yeah. one, it, it was off the, just right off the market, off the MLS. Yeah. How are you doing it now? Yeah, no, absolutely. Now I've, I've had to get creative. You know, yeah. I, I was just given a statistic about two weeks ago here in Long Island, Suffolk and Nassau County. At any given time, we had 400, 500 foreclosures going on. So there was inventory just, you know, spread around. Two weeks ago, there was only about 70 foreclosures at which maybe 69 of them are occupied. And, you know, given the current condition, many investors were not jumping into occupied properties because that can go for years with the moratorium that's going on that from what i'm hearing it's maybe extended to september 1st i don't know but we have to get creative because these properties that are getting foreclosed are not necessarily vacating their tenants so up until this pandemic and up until the current market conditions i didn't really need to do much marketing because the two or three that i would get a year my agent would just get those for me right or i will find them through auction sites. I love HubZoo. I love auction.com. People you know, talk bad about them, but if you do your research, you'll find a gem here and there. One of my deals in 2017, if I remember correctly, I bought a Hub, HubZoo for 103. I knew it was occupied, but you know, we, we didn't have a pandemic back then. Yeah. <laughs> I spoke to the lady, offered cash for keys. She didn't want to get out. I was like, okay, I sold it for 145 three months later. Right. So from 103 purchase on HubZoo, to 145 resale three months later, it's a good profit just to have something sit in there. So there's good meat in, in these websites and these auction sites, but those have been the most sought after resources that I've been able to get my leads from directly from my agent. And by the way, this agent is just focused on five zip codes in the town of Brookhaven where I'm at. I don't branch out anywhere else because he may not know that area. So he knows my investing criteria and anything that pops up in the MLS, I'm the first guy that he calls, you know, I'm the first guy that he's going to call and I'll tell him, although he already knows my formula, but I'll tell him, let me dig deeper. Let me take a look at it. Let me not take a look at it. Let's make an offer on the spot, but um, off the MLS. And he's even gotten me a couple of off market properties that were about to hit, but a short answer would be uh, through the MLS and that particular agent and through auction websites, you know, HubZoo, Zone, Hudson and Marshall, yeah, whatever's out there in, in auction life, um, not necessarily in-house auctions at the town hall, more like online auctions. So explain how the auctions work just for anybody out there that doesn't know and wants to potentially check out these sites to oh, absolutely. Pick up their next property. I like to call it the eBay of properties. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> you know, you, you go in there, you search your product, you, you check your, your numbers and yep. what they can possibly resell for. Nowadays, more than, than before, the most websites, if not all of them by now, are asking you to leave either a thousand dollar deposit on Zone or a twenty five hundred dollar deposit on Auction.com and HubZoo. The reason being is many people were just clicking bid, 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 but never go through with the purchase. So, from a business perspective, from the from the sites, they were losing buyers. So now, if you're the winning bidder and you have that twenty five hundred deposit, it'll be used towards the earnest point of deposit and whatever uh, premium that they may charge. Before it was just, you know, you click on bid and there'll be increments of 2,000 bucks, 10,000 bucks, whatever the seller may have chosen. 
but you would pretty much go on the website, you search your county, you search the address, you search whatever territory you want to invest in, you select what uh, property you're looking to bid on and literally click bid. It will ask you for some information. Even if you found it without an agent, if you're an agent yourself, you can put yourself as the agent and you will get commission out of that sale uh, for bringing the buyer. So the way I do it, I give it to Carlos. He's my agent. Even though he didn't find it for me, it's just extra 2% of his pocket, 3% of his pocket just for connecting me to the other lead. So it's kind of like a, like a bonus, so to speak. Yep. And you put in your information, you send in your, uh, as an LLC, which I hope you're buying with under an LLC, not under your personal name. You put in your LLC documents, you know, your operating agreement, whatever you, they may be asking you for, and you submit the offer. And pretty much you'll get emails if you've been outbid, if it's like two hours before or 30 minutes before the auction is over, if you're the winning bidder, what's the next steps. And it's very organized. It's very organized. They send you all the documentation. You can sign everything and they'll have your attorney information. They share that information with their attorney, my attorney, my agent. And you're just in the middle of all these email threads where you see your team going to work for you. But it is a great resource to be able to find. If you get one property every six months, well, that's a property that you can get off of these auction websites. Good. I love it. Yeah, it's very systematic. So they're going to be able to guide you, handhold you along the whole process, which is awesome. Absolutely. And, and just natural communication. You can yeah. call in as well as you get an offer accepted and, and get a little bit more hands-on if needed, right? You can. Some agents actually do put their information. Most of these properties are REOs, which stands for real estate owned. So they're foreclosed properties. And every foreclosed property will have an asset manager from the bank, which is the person was pretty much handling that property and many others. Some of these guys or gals, they're friendly and you can actually have your agent speak to them. It's usually good if they're not New Yorkers because we're just bitter out of pure nature. Um, It's the East Coast, man. It's not just New York, but yeah. New Jersey as well. well. Although we don't really get along, but you know, whatever. whatever. (laughs) But you can speak to these people and tell them, you know, can we expedite it? Can we hurry up? Or where are we with title? I never do it. I have my agent do it, right? And, and he's like, yo, Carlos, here's, we want this property and let's see what we can get. But they have asset managers, even the listing agent you can get in contact with. And another tip, if you can even get in contact with the listing agent and, and create a relationship. He, I have one guy who's telling me this property is going to go in auction next week. Do you want to bid before? Absolutely, right? So great relationships, build that teamwork that would eventually create your worth in real estate. And be able to develop relationships that you know are going to be bringing fruits all along your process. But you can definitely get in touch with these asset managers and listing agents to find out yeah. more information about such properties. And I love what you do as well. You know, an easy way to be able to get people on your side and to make sure fruit is constantly going on there. And even though you found yeah. the property, you're still putting your agent, your communication, the guy that you're building that relationship with. Right them their information down so that they can get an extra two percent that's not a bad gig it's a nice little bonus for them and it's a reminder of like hey this guy just hooked me up you know i'm going to take care of him and keep on sending him deals which is awesome absolutely and it allows him to be able to give me a discount on the resale right so real estate commission nowadays is five six percent that's the standard i've never paid that most i've ever paid is four percent Uh, So that extra 2% on the purchase that he would never have expected, it's a nice little bonus for him to be 
you know, and this is just at the beginning for him to be okay with the 4%, right? Yeah. But that 4% has brought him many, many deals across the years. Now he's probably done 80% of all my flips, right? Most of them on the purchase and definitely on the resale. So it is a great gig, it's a great opportunity for you to build that extra relationship and for him or her to find out you're true with your words, right? I can trust this person because he's giving me, he he practically giving me money that I wasn't, it wasn't yeah. meant for me. Sure. All right. All right. No, so that's awesome. It's definitely a great bonus for your agent. Now, how were you able to find this agent? Did you have to go through several? Hmm. Did, you know, finding people yeah. on your team is always, it's a struggling trait, you know, and they might start so off this. great, but then, you know, things happen in life. People start changing yes. new seasons and everybody's life hmm. could be more difficult than others. So how do you keep them around, right? And keep them in the right mindset of the goal. Yeah, absolutely. Not every agent is an investor friendly agent, you know, and I had to get comfortable with letting people go, right? As a natural giver, I always want to embrace as many people as I can and bring them to the team. And, and even, you know, by hook or by crook, try to change their mentality to see beyond, you know, the two feet of view that they have. So I've let go of people. I've actually, my two worst investments came from the same agent. I was like, okay, I got to let you go. I can't work with you anymore. But Carlos, my go-to agent in the area that I'm focusing in, social media. Uh, I, I'm you know, actively posting on, on social media, Facebook, Instagram. I even started creating a YouTube channel to be able to give, bring back value. He saw the interaction and, and you know, some of the hashtags I use is like Long Island Real Estate or Long Island Investor. And you can search those hashtags. And he hit me up one time. He's like, hey, my name is Carlos. Uh, I would love to do business with you. And and I was like, all right, let's give him another try. I always give people, you know, uh, one chance, two chances, not many, three chances. But Carlos, he started, you know, sending me deals, prospects in all of Long Island. We went to see several houses. And if an agent is willing to see several houses, that means they're motivated to work with you. Now, it is kind of like a gray area because if you're seeing 10 houses every Saturday, for example, if you're still a nine to five employee, you know, walk in 10 houses every Saturday or two houses after you get out of work and you're not making offers on any of them, that's a great way to lose some agents because they're now investing, you know, what, 10 hours a day with you on Saturday oh, yeah. yeah, and no money's coming in. It's like, right, this guy's, you know, he's a fluke. He's a joke. He's not going to go anywhere. But Carlos, he showed me some properties. We started making offers, and I always make educators on offers on everything. I don't care if my offer is two hundred thousand below asking. My offers are educated. My offers are based on my numbers for profit. As always, remember this: you're you're not really running a charity. You're running a business that needs yes. to pay its taxes and employees. So never be afraid to make that low lowball offer or your educated offer. And he was long, putting them as through. long as you're showing them, right? Like show them oh, absolutely. afterwards why, you know, if they're asking a million for it and you're showing, I only can pay five bucks for this thing, you know, show your paperwork of why yeah. and give reasoning behind it. If they disagree, then that's on them, but you know, right. your numbers, right. And it is a absolutely, absolutely. I, we, you know, we, we got to make a profit. We got to calculate for closing costs on both sides for his commission, you know, uncle Sam, he's never going to forgive taxes. So he's like the first one to get paid. And he was comfortable. You know, some agents are like, I'm not doing that. My reputation's on the line. Well, you try also trying to build your brand. If you're an agent, there's got to be a brand behind you that you can stand by. And he was putting them through, you know, and, and we got our first deal, got our second deal, three deals, four deals. 
And it just it was just a relationship that was created along the way, along the years, along the flips that, you know, he already knows which ones to send me, right? He has my formula. He has what I'm looking for, the area I'm looking for. So he'll, he'll text me, hey, Eddie, check out this property. Here's your ARV. I was like, okay, all right, let's make an offer. And, you know, 10 minutes later, he has an offer on the spot. But him, I found through Instagram. He sent me a message on Instagram. The rest was history. You know, four years later, five, five years later, we're still doing business. Now, with your rental portfolio, do you believe that your initial first job getting started in real estate, doing the management, do you think any of that has helped or? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. As a matter of fact, uh, like I said, I give people one chance is two chances. In July 2020, we decided to fire our property management company and start our own. You know, I have property management experience. We have, my partner has a construction crew in Indy. Uh, so we have everything that we needed. We, we we started a complete new management company and we've been managing our own properties, keeping that 10% in-house that we would normally pay 10% between all the properties that we would normally pay somebody else. And uh, I spoke to him like, listen, I know what I'm doing. I've been doing this. I did it a long time ago in New York in a more competitive and aggressive market. You know, talking to Indianapolis tenants, I got to remind myself, they're not in New York. They're not in New York. They're not in New York. All right. It's, for example, there's there's an area, Anderson, which is about an hour north of Indianapolis, where we have a one bedroom for 400 bucks. And I'm like, wow, we, there's no, can we increase no this guy's rent? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like $400, you know, and 600 for a two bedroom with a garage and a beautiful, I would move into that apartment. It's like, no, bro, this is not New York. And I got to remind myself that. But um, we pulled the trigger. Uh, when we kept having to talk to our property management companies, listen, guys, this is the way we want it, or this is the way we want it. And I pulled the trigger on, you know what, let's start our own company. When I found out that they didn't know there was two properties that were vacant for three months. And I was like, guys, this is serious. That's like 5,000 out of my pocket. And we got on a, on a four-way call, the property manager of that asset his manager, my partner, and myself. And uh, I had to let him have it. You know, we've been giving you many chances. Tenants are complaining. And now I'm finding out that there's two properties that were vacant for three months, costing us, I think it was like 45, 5,000 bucks. What are you guys willing to do with it? And they were willing to do nothing about it. So I was like, you know what? This was like in March. I told my partner, well, let's start something. Let's start our own management company. You give me the context of the construction crew so we can have handymen ready to you know, dispersed into the job sites. We started using Buildium, the property management software. I do everything remote. You know, soon we're going to start hiring because of the more growth that we want to do. But this is something that my partner and I handle perfectly. He does a lot of the legwork. I do all of the remote stuff. And the, yeah, my property management experience has definitely helped us being able to secure the good rentals, you know, the ones that are more beneficial to the portfolio, which is what I mentioned before. We sold some of the bad apples, you know, the bad neighborhoods or the non-paying tenants or or yeah. whatever that reason may have been. Eddie, what do you believe has been maybe your biggest learning curve or something that you think would just be of value to somebody just getting started in investing in real estate? Yeah. So I love speaking about my failures more than I do my success stories, because I think that we learn more from what we could have done better 
could have done in a different manner. Um, and it's tough to say because you want to trust, but never trust anyone, right? Uh, or if you are, trust, but verify, you know, get everything in writing, anything they do, even if it's with family, right? Not that I'll ever sue any of my family members or yeah. hopefully I never get sued by them. But I believe that getting everything in writing is part of the vision. And I learned this from Damon John, the shark. You can never hit a target that you can't see. So I put everything in the target. I put everything in, in perspective, right? No, for example, no contractor or subcontractor, whoever it is, steps into my property, do any work until I get my documents signed, my lien waivers and all those documents. With hard money lenders, if you're asking for an extension, get that on paper. If you're paying somebody, get that on paper. So pretty much get everything documented. And this is more of an East Coast mentality, just in case you ever do have to present yourself in court. Just think, hopefully, you know, it's, it's not a good ordeal. It's, it's not, you know, it's not nice to be in court getting sued or suing somebody. But should you ever have to go through that hardship, you're prepared for it, right? The last last year, 2020, I, I got burned. My Some of the worst investments ever. I got burned because I was under the impression that the text I had with the owner of the hard money company where I asked for an extension because of Corona, I had it in text and then I had everything documented, I thought, but I never got that document signed because I trusted this individual. And I believe that if he said, yeah, you're extended for another six months, then it was good to go until we got the payoff letter. And I, I got burned with about a 40,000, yeah, 45,000 um, in fees and late fees and default interest because I didn't get that documented, right? So it was, a, it was definitely a learning experience and it was something that I learned from. Never will I do it again. Even if you're my son, I told Manny, you ever step foot in my property, you're going to sign the lien waiver, brother. Um, <laughs> but get everything documented. That's been the biggest learning experience. Get everything documented. Trust whoever you want to trust, but verify it, right? If they're saying that's what's going to happen, verify it, get it documented, get it signed, notarized, whatever it may be. Um, in every aspect of your business, from the purchase, the in-betweens, the sales, um, have everything documented and never throw any of that stuff away, at least not for seven years for your statutes of limitation, but yeah. another story. That's so good. That's something that I've I've made similar mistakes on as well, not having the right document signed at the right time. Mm -hmm. And it can be huge learning curves, right? So yeah. definitely want to make sure that that is on point. Also, another learning curve for me has definitely been the contractors in the past. Um, yeah. Same thing, having the detailed scope of work, <clears throat> having the contracts written out uh, before they yeah. jump on the property. You know, that's a that's a smart move. So I appreciate yeah. that. Even if even if you trust the person you bring in the contract, your sub plumber, whoever it may be. Even if you know them, like I, I, like I said, I hire people that I know to be able to provide back. I had to get comfortable with myself and saying, if this person is not up to your standard, be okay with letting them go. Right? I'd rather ruin a business relationship than a personal relationship. Right? And since I'm bringing people that I know, um, and even with people that, that you know, I had an ex-friend because it ruined a personal relationship. I had an ex-friend who was a contractor, had a scope of work, had everything detailed, even signed, but he had the audacity as I went picking out, you know, bad trim or corners or, or, or spackle, whatever it was that I was pointing out to him that I would want fixed. He had the audacity to tell me that uh, Eddie, and I'm, you know, paraphrasing here, 
if you wanted us to do a good job, you should have told us. And in my mind, I was like, you did not just say that, right? Like, yeah. you did not just tell me that I have to tell you to do a good job. So even if you trust the person, even if you have confidence in their work, verify it. And if they're not willing to correct it, or if they give you these kind of excuses, then be okay with letting them go, right? Be okay with creating a better product because at the end of the day, this is your reputation. Whoever steps foot in your house and your project and you flip with your rental, they're a representation of you. So whatever product you put forth, they're not going to say one, two, three contract and get it. They're going to say, in my case, one of the owners and properties did this project and here's what it looks like. Here's what's behind the walls. So whatever they can see, and if it's a back product, you can only imagine behind the walls. They're going to start thinking your piping or your electrical, your HVAC ductwork is not up to par because of what they saw on the paint or the trim or the tiling. So even if you know the person, even if you've done business before, trust them, but verify it. Walk your property once a week, twice, whatever it may be, but verify that the work that they're doing is up to your standard so that you can protect your business and your reputation, which is going to go a long way. So good. I mean, I recently went through this as well. I just had to get rid of an electrician and a plumber um, and they were both just super cost efficient. Like they're, they're getting the job done and very, very, you know, uh, reasonable prices, which that's why I, I just loved them. But showing up late, not, you know, trying to get paid out like that day right away, like a crackhead. Mm-hmm. And that was just, it was too much <laughs> for me, you know? And, yeah. uh, and just the stress of, you know, I, there's there's certain order there's certain line like i i have yeah. my next guy waiting on the plumbing to be moved around you know and they can't mm-hmm. move until that's done and then homeboy doesn't that's show right. up so it's you know it's a it's a pain and i didn't want to cut these people but you really need to think about hey these these people do represent you yeah because um and how how can you grow your team if they're not jumping onto the same vision so absolutely Absolutely. They need to be on, they need to be on the same page. They have to be, you know, again, it's your reputation and that's, what's going to, your reputation is going to to last much longer than you are. That's something that I had to live with. You know, we still remember all of these famous people in, in, in history because of their reputation, their testimony, their testament, what have they done? And you don't want to be that guy from your town of, I don't want to do business with Eddie. I don't want to do business with Brandon because X, 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 you know, your reputation is going to last you, outlast you. So you want to make sure that you got that cover, your testimony, who you are, is as clean as you allow it to be. Eddie, how can people get a hold of you, brother? I'm all over social media. I mean, you can't miss this beard, you know, so anything, 180 homes and properties, you know, I have Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. I started a YouTube page with self-made videos on, on how I can uh, bring value to you. But yeah, definitely, if you just go to 180 Homes and Properties, all of my social media links are right there that you can click on, follow me, subscribe, send me a message. If you need any assistance, I'm always you know willing to, to, to lend you a, a conversation, a phone call. Um, if you're local, uh, I love two things, pizza and coffee. Take me out for either, and you know you're gonna be my best friend. You know, the, the, deal. The, I love it. Be, yeah, the best way to my heart is through my stomach. So you yeah. know, let's I'm get the it. Same way. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> 
Cool. Well, Eddie, I I appreciate you so much, man. You're uh, nothing but just like a a bunch of energy and uh, just a wealth of knowledge, which is awesome. So um, I I appreciate you diving in today and giving an hour of your time. Uh, Anything that myself or the listeners can do to give back to you after, you know, you just gave an hour of your time. Uh, You always look to provide value, you know, and always look to do better. Um, Never be mediocre. You know, if you have the ability um, then you have the responsibility and, and the duty, right? The obligation. So in, in a, anything that you do, right? Whether it's real estate related or not, right? Whether it's a personal life or in a relationship, whatever it may be, if you have the ability to be able to give back in, in not as close to perfection as possible, I know we'll never reach perfection, but if you act accordingly, then that, that's what you reproduce. And second, bring somebody with you, right? If you're aiming to success, never go there alone. Bring somebody that could have done it or, or needed that extra help uh, and duplicate yourself, right? If you could do that, then you've blessed me. Uh, indirectly, you've blessed me, right? So yeah. act to the best of your of your performance, the best of your ability, and bring somebody who needs to be brought up with you. Be that handout to somebody. So good, man. Well, Eddie, I appreciate you so much, man. Really awesome. Likewise. Yeah, it was good today. So I appreciate you, bro. Everybody that, you know, is listening to this, make sure you hit that subscribe button, hit that, you know, notification will update you every single Monday when the new episode comes out. If you want to get in contact with me, you can do so at Brandon Elliott Investments on Instagram. Otherwise, facebook.com forward slash Brandon Elliott Investor. And then if you're looking to get any credit repair done for you services, then you can reach out to us at creditrepairmobile.com. Otherwise, if you're looking to get educated, then we can show you how to be able to educate, build up your own credit, you know, fixing your credit, build up credit, and then be able to leverage your credit successfully into real estate or any businesses that you're looking to scale. And you can do so at creditcounselelite.com. And because we have you know, so my birthday is coming up. If you guys are listening to this, not in the live right now, but uh, if you're listening to this on the podcast, then my birthday just happened and we want to give out a little gift for each and every one of you guys. For the first five people that reach out to me, I will I will be giving, um, let's see, if you guys reach out to me, the first five people either direct message me on Instagram or on Facebook showing that you left a review and you subscribed to Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast, I will give you access to Credit Council Elite, the gold package, absolutely free for the first five people. And then anybody else, if you missed the first five, then anybody that's interested, we will give it to you for 50% off. So give you guys a huge discount. And uh, yeah, would love to connect with each and every one of you guys. So we will see you on the next episode next Monday. Eddie, appreciate you, bro. Nothing but love. Thank you, bro. Same thing. Same thing. Thank you. It was an honor. Next time, guys. God bless. Take care. This has been another episode of Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast, brought to you by Brandon Elliott. For more information, please visit brandonelliottinvestments.com. Also, please don't forget to like, share, and leave a comment below. Thanks again for joining. Until next time, God bless.